0: This chapter is one of the most fascinating ones in the autobiography of a yogi and all of us, especially when we first read this book, yeah. it was like, oh, wow, wow, you know, it's just so, something so completely different <laughs> from what we'd ever thought of or ever even considered possible. I mean, you read about it, I mean, the scriptures, of course, have always talked about, you know, heaven and hell and the Devas and the Asuras and the not just them, the Gandharvas and the dakinis and the, you know, so many different kinds of astral beings. But somehow in all of that, uh, you know, because it's story upon story and it's like, it's so, it gets lost and you, you don't quite know. Is this real? Is this not? And a lot of it is in fact allegorical and so you're never quite sure where to draw the line between what's real and what's just symbolic for us to learn something or to understand something more deeply about our own selves. And as the saying goes, as above so below, in fact it's both. The, as Yogananda would call it, the cosmic man, which is, you know, us in the body of the entire creation is the same as the more human man. So we've got our same astral worlds, we've got all these swarg in the heaven and we've got our hells and we've got these same beings inside us and as our consciousness expands which is where we're trying to get to in God then the same reality also expands with us and you know, if we expand and become larger than we are then those same realities still exist. But now, many more people are involved, many more, you know, consciousnesses are a part of that reality. And so today we get to have a little glimpse of that cosmic man, and perhaps through it, also understand some of our own inner natures. So this is chapter 43, the resurrection of Sri Yukteswar. Lord Krishna... The glorious form of the Avatar appeared in a shimmering blaze as I sat in my room at the Regent Hotel in Bombay. So we get to be in the same city where this amazing, amazing thing took place. Uh, Bombay it won't be your first guess. you like, yes, exactly. this should happen in Bombay. This should happen in Varanasi. This should happen in the Himalayas. Mm-hmm. This should happen wherever else. But in the middle of Bombay, where, you know, Sri Yukteswar, first Lord Krishna, but then Sri Yukteswar completely transforms Yoganandaji's room into a, an entire astral encyclopedia. So it feels good to, uh, to a certain degree for us to be very close to the source of this story.
1: In fact, In fact, it means that God can come to us any moment. <laughs> at any place we are just so beautiful to see okay in mumbai at the hotel
0: in a hotel <laughs> and of course uh, some people have tracked down this regent hotel it's mm-hmm. no longer a hotel i believe it's some sort of an offices building but on the third floor somehow if we can all sneak up one day be lovely to <laughs> do a meditation there and see if we too have the power to attract whether krishna or shri yukteswar we don't mind either one is fine Shining over the roof of a high building across the street, the ineffable vision had suddenly burst on my sight as I gazed out of my long open third-storey window. The divine figure waved to me. I, I felt that so kind of cute. Yeah. Krishna is out there and he's just like, Hi. <laughs> you know, normally you think of Krishna as like, Oh, how are but he was like he waved at me like a little child Krishna is flying and you know floating over there just on the roof of another building and he's waving the divine figure waved to me smiling and nodding in greeting when I could not understand the exact message of Lord Krishna he departed with a gesture of blessing wondrously uplifted I felt that some spiritual event was presaged My Western voyage had, for the time being, been cancelled. I was scheduled now for several public addresses in Bombay before leaving on a return visit to Bengal. In the last chapter, it closed with these words, I want to go back and see my Guru once again. I want my tears to water his grave. And so he really felt, I can't leave India until I go once again and just have that darshan of my Guru. Sitting on my bed in the Bombay Hotel at three o'clock in the afternoon of June 19, 1936. These are good dates to have yeah, in to mind. Remember. Don't they? June nineteenth, yes. okay. <laughs> That's the day. That's the right. day we should all go. Hopefully something will happen. One week after the vision of Krishna, I was roused from my meditation by a beatific light. Before my open and astonished eyes, the whole room was transformed into a strange world. The sunlight transmuted into a supernal splendor. Waves of rapture engulfed me as I beheld the flesh and blood form of Sri Yukteswar. My son, Master spoke tenderly. On his face an angel bewitching smile. For the first time in my life, I did not kneel at his feet in greeting, but instantly advanced to gather him hungrily in my arms. Moment of moments. The anguish of past months was toll I counted weightless against the torrential bliss now descending. Master mine, beloved of my heart, Why did you leave me? I was incoherent in an excess of joy. Why did you let me go to the Kumbh Mela? How bitterly have I blamed myself for leaving you. I did not want to interfere with your happy anticipation of seeing the pilgrimage spot where first I met Babaji. I left you only for a little while. Am I not with you again? but is it you master the same lion of god are you wearing a body like the one i buried beneath the cruel puri sands (laughs) now puris become the cruel sands because it (laughs) forced me to bury the body of my guru yes my child i am the same this is a flesh and blood body though i see it as ethereal to your sight it is physical From the cosmic atoms, I created an entirely new body exactly like that cosmic dream physical body which you laid beneath the dream sands at Puri in your dream world. He's really hammering that in, isn't it? This is a dream body that was buried under the dream sands of your dream world. I am in truth resurrected not on earth but on an astral planet its inhabitants are better able than earthly humanity to meet my lofty standards you can you can feel like he's finally feeling good (laughs) Ah, now i have some students i can (laughs) i can really work with these ones there you and your exalted loved ones shall someday come to be with me so that's another beautiful promise you two are going to come and we'll continue this relationship even there. One important thing, and especially this dream, did you have no, something to please say please Is this concept of the dream, you know, we, we think of it as amazing, isn't it amazing that Sri were just materialized this body and it's exactly the same. And he, co- and he says, from the cosmic atoms I have recreated. And of course it sounds just fantastical, but we do that as well every night, don't we? In our dreams, we create several bodies. And yeah, maybe we're not able to, we don't have enough power to bring it into what we would call the waking world. But when we're in the dream world, they're just as real as anything. They're just as real as everything we're experiencing here. There's no concept that, no, this is not quite real. I can tell. And they're exact copies, aren't they? When you see yourself in the dream, you're an exact copy, not just your body, but your voice, your personality, you're bringing the same thoughts over from this world into that world. I mean, you're carrying everything you are, the entirety of your consciousness, not just in you, but in the sands of whatever dream world you've created, in the trees of the dream world you've created, in the sky, in the wind, in the birds, in the sunshine, in the warmth of the sun. I mean, imagine how powerful at least the potential is for us to be able to actually create entire worlds during our dream and they're so real so convincing that it's kind of it's helpful to see if that can be so real and convincing you know I wonder about this world too because it does also feel so real and convincing and what did it take for me to create that dream world and why am I not able to kind of recreate that here and the basic idea in our sleep is that our senses are not being fed constantly so life force and energy is not being drawn outside of us but they're all interiorized so that's one thing where we have a lot more of our own prana available to us this is what we try to do in meditation don't always succeed at it but that complete interiorization and then the direction, directing of that interiorized life force towards the brain. Now, in a dream reality, in a sleep reality, it goes more into the subconscious part of your brain because that's what's restful for us. But in a meditative reality, and this is where the saints live, it goes to the superconscious part at the frontal cortex of the brain. And so, therefore, while being conscious, they can still live and experience the world as a dream reality. And it's just helpful for us to know that that line is not that far away. That it's not that Sri Yukteswar is just that far away and he can just do that much more than you and I can do. We're doing this every night. We're just unable to do it consciously. But we know we have the technique. We're doing it. It's happening every night. And this should be a very encouraging thought. And we should then try to see how can I shift how can I also not let my senses completely take over? How can I be a little more interiorized even in this world? How can I make sure that the majority of my life force is being used to be channeled upward to the brain? And if I can keep doing that consciously, little by little, I'll start to see, wow, this is also a dream reality and look, I can I can adjust this dream in accordance to a higher power if I so choose.
1: I wanted to come back a little bit.
0: Backsliding?
1: Not backsliding. <laughs> back to this moment where Yogananda sees Sri Yukteswar for the first time after his passing, and and we can see already a shift in their relationship. I mean, Yogananda says here, "This is the first time I didn't kneel at my guru's presence. I rushed." and I just hacked him. Uh, and you can see here a sense of spontaneity that Yogananda felt naturally inclined to, to show to his guru. Sri Uteswar was about to transfer a lot of information intuitively mostly to Yogananda. And we can see here Yogananda not being afraid to show that love in such a childlike spirit, like just hugging and grasping his guru, like almost losing that sense of formality and reverence that sometimes we have to towards our guru, but if it becomes too serious, too dense, too formal, we are not able to receive the information that the guru is trying to transfer to each one of us. And here, Yogananda, by just hugging him, open him himself, complaining, why did you leave me? I mean, you have no idea how tough has been for me, just not having you around, how many times I have blamed you, just the spontaneity in which he spoke to his guru and just opened his heart. And and I I appreciated that very much. And yesterday when I was reading, I thought, wow, this is something that it would be good for each one of us as disciples to approach to any of these gurus, not just Sri Yukteswar, but Yogananda, Babaji, Christ, I mean, like, like with that spontaneity where we just can't hug them mentally if we want, where we don't need to be afraid to share our feelings, where we can speak the language that feels comfortable with us. And with that, when that sense of seriousness and tension and formality disappears, I think the guru can give us much more from his consciousness and and I really liked that Yogananda felt so free to just describe that moment. Like I just didn't kneel in front of my guru. I, I wanted to hug him. And it's just a wonderful image also to meditate about it. Like how, how could I do that as well? Uh, with my gurus how can I lose that sense of tension and formality and 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 perhaps sometimes being afraid to really show to my guru how I feel or what I want and how to how to express that feeling that blame that guilt that disappointment and it's just beautiful to see how Yogananda creates um, A situation a space where he is relaxed enough now to receive from his guru from a way higher level of consciousness
0: deathless guru tell me more master gave a quick mirthful chuckle please dear one he said won't you relax your hold a little only a little, I, have been, I had been embracing him with an octopus grip. <laughs> you can just see him like <laughs> squeezing, that, squeezing the little life force back out of Sri Yukteswarji. As prophets are sent to earth to help men work out their physical karma, so I have been directed by God to serve on an astral planet as a savior. So that's the first, you know, New reality for us to (laughs) just comprehend is that this isn't the only place that uh, this idea of guru-disciple, this concept of saints coming to help and uplift individuals who are in fact seeking to transcend whatever reality they are currently experiencing, this is happening on multiple stages and that also means that this happens inside us on multiple stages. When we transcend one reality, We just move to the next and then we have to transcend that reality and then we move to the next and in fact freedom itself is just a kind of journey of transcendence. It's not one quick, now I've transcended it all, suddenly I'm completely free, boom, I'm in infinite bliss. But that it's a constantly evolving stage of transcendence. And whether it's happening outwardly from the physical world or the astral world, it's also happening inwardly. And it's entirely up to us. If we're not able to do this, then we have to go elsewhere to continue it. If we are able to go further ahead in this experience, then we don't have to do it in those planes of existence.
1: Uh, I love this sentence. Sorry to interrupt. When Sri Yukteswar says, mm. I have been directed by God to serve on an astral plane. And this is fascinating coming from Sri Yukteswar's words. A self-realized master who has already achieved freedom, who has done all the service of all kinds that you can imagine on Earth and in other planes. And one can assume that after being serving so much, and once you achieve that unity with God, you are done. I mean, excuse me, God, I just don't want to serve anymore. (laughs) I deserve a break. I have been just brooming these leaves again and again every day, (laughs) cleaning the altar every day, making videos every day. I'm done. And here we have Sri Yukteswar so proudly saying, my service continues. Wherever I go, I will be serving. And now I get to serve on a higher plane. And that's a fascinating thought that struck me today as never before, like, oh my god, even when I leave the earthly plane, wherever wherever I will go, I still will be serving. I don't know in which capacity, I don't know how I will be capable to help God, serving in whatever capacity, but it's a privilege to still be a channel wherever you go, at every stage of your evolution. And here we have Sri Yukteswar representing that principle of service and karma yoga and seva. And he's not going to abandon his service, his seva, until he has helped other people in the process. So something for us to think about, because we tend to think that once I finish this, I'm done. I don't get to deal with none of this nonsense (laughs) once I finish my, but guess what? Oh my God, we will keep serving God forever. And might as well to to cooperate and be willing because there are so many amazing planets where we will get to serve others and help others if we become worthy of that privilege. And serving on earth is just a training to become better for the future seva that will be assigned. To
0: us by god it is called hiranya loka or illumined astral planet there i am aiding advanced beings to rid themselves of astral karma and thus attain liberation from astral rebirths i know that sounds a little disappointing does it <laughs> astral karma astral rebirths. <laughs> i'm dealing with these physical karma and physical rebirths. I didn't realize now I'm going to have to deal with astral rebirths as well. The dwellers on Hiranya-loka are highly developed spiritually. All of them had acquired in their last earth incarnation, the meditation given power of consciously leaving their physical bodies at death. So every one of the inhabitants of Hiranya-loka had that siddhi, which is the siddhi of that mahasamadhi where... They choose the time and the moment of their passing and consciously leave it. They're not forced out of their body but consciously choose to exit their body. No one can enter Hiranyaloka unless he has passed on earth beyond the state of Savikalpa Samadhi into the higher state of Nirvikalpa Samadhi. This is a high, high loka, isn't (laughs) it? It's just like, huh? Okay, I need Nirvikalpa Samadhi even this, to
1: gain access to
0: Hiranya Loka. This planet
1: is just for VIP you know, disciples. This is, the,
0: this is that <laughs> VIP lounge that, uh, you know, we can, in India, we might be able to bribe somebody and get some passes, but I don't think so it'll work so well with Sri Yukteswar. If he's over there, there's no bribing. There's nothing we can do, I except mean, we, well, we can attain Nirvikalpa Samadhi. That's something we could do. But it's an interesting thought, isn't it? And it's a, as I said, it feels a little discouraging. <laughs> like I thought nirvikalpa samadhi is the end, <laughs> but if you remember just very couple of chap- um, classes ago with the Patanjali, where we were, where Patanjali was describing the difference between savikalpa and nirvikalpa, and he was saying in nirvikalpa samadhi, of course, the sense of I disappears, but there's still past karma to work out. So what these astral beings. Uh, working on isn't karma that they've created and they will not create any more karma. Therefore, they don't need any more to work that karma out on earth necessarily. Master said a lot of saints who achieve that state, essentially they are jivan Muktas, all of them. Anybody who achieves, achieves that state, often they just let their karma be, they don't deal with it. And they use that karma as a tool to come back on earth to then continue helping others because then their presence, they can inspire and direct and guide the lives of others, especially their disciples. But then once they've done that, there's astral karma. Now what's astral karma? Isn't that an interesting thought, astral karma? I mean, on one hand, all karma is kind of astral because that's where it it is lodged. All our karmic vrittis are lodged in the astral body, within the sushumna, within the astral spine. But Swamiji once made a fascinating uh, comment about, you know, astral karma. Uh, He didn't call it that exactly, but he said, somebody asked, I think Asha Swami asked him, as she tends to do all these questions, like, do I have to come back again? Because I really enjoyed these early years in Ananda where we got to serve together, where we just gave our lives to God, we lived simply, we lived harmoniously, you know, so that's a desire that I have. Do I need to come back again on earth to fulfill that desire since all desires need to be fulfilled? And Swamiji said, no, you know, that desire, you don't need to come back on earth to fulfill because that's an astral desire. I didn't say that, but that's what that means. That's a higher desire. Now, what desires do we have that we can consider astral karmas? The desire for beauty, for harmony, for, you know, like for an artist to be truly creative,
1: music.
0: for music to be truly uplifting, things that on this physical plane, you cannot fully achieve. We cannot fully achieve that beauty and harmony that we seek. We cannot fully achieve the expression. You know, how often is it that you've got a thought in you, you've got an expression you want to make, but when you bring it out into the physical world, it pales in comparison to what was inside you with what you've been able to bring out, because the physical form-based tools available to us are inadequate To capture the essence of what it is that we wanted to express and so those desires they can only be fulfilled doesn't mean we'll not keep trying on earth and we do keep trying and we do keep hoping and that's the that's the earthly vibration of it that i hope it should work out for me on earth in this reality but when we stop pushing and we say it's never going to work out here in the way that i want and i just i accept I relax, I completely surrender to the fact that everything that I want to see, the world will never always be completely peaceful. There will always be war. People will not always be loving. They will all, you know, somebody or the other will not like you. <laughs> so there are these hidden desires where all I really want is for everybody to be loving and everyone to be joyful and everyone to be uplifted. It's not going to happen here, mm-hmm. but that desire can be fulfilled on these higher planes and each of us have those desires. Now, I don't say we should have those desires, better to burn it all up right now, right here, but we've expressed them many times in the past, so they do exist as karmic seeds and vrittis inside us and they can only be fulfilled on these higher planes of existence and therefore here Sri Yukteswarji is talking about very highly advanced beings we don't need to necessarily be there and that's what we do death is us going in now continuing the same process of karmic fulfillment on the astral plane and we're just going back and forth back and forth come here work on the physical karma you think you're gonna get a break no such thing (laughs) go back to the astral world work on your astral karma it's just a lot more joyful and pleasant so it might feel like a break it's like going to hawaii no feels like a break but you still have to eat and you still have to (laughs) deal with your family and you still have to figure out why your kids are throwing tantrums but it's it's happening in a beautiful place and so you're more relaxed about it and you're less bothered by it
1: Unless we don't have a physical body which makes things And then that, yeah, and
0: then we don't have this physical body which gets old and tired and, and it heavy massages and, because
1: pain. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so over there you've got your astral body, it's light and you can change it anytime you want. You can remain ever youthful if you want. See, these are some aren't these some desires we all have? To remain forever beautiful, to somehow hold on to certain aspects of our being that start changing and deteriorating in the astral world you could do that and since you've placed these desires now they have to be fulfilled don't they Mm. and so whatever vibration of a desire we put out into the universe they're depending on the refinement of that vibration some of those things highly more subtler and refined vibrations cannot fully be expressed on this lower grosser vibration of earth and therefore require astral karma astral rebirths you know you thought that you could get finish it all here but too bad there are other places where we can do this better so the Hiranyaloka inhabitants have already passed through the ordinary astral spheres where nearly all beings from earth must go at death there they work out many seeds of their past actions in the astral worlds. <laughs> oh boy, past actions in the astral worlds. Chalo, in the astral world I had this little thing with this guy, now I have to work it out with that guy in his astral body. I have to wait for him. Oh, he's still on Earth. Oh boy, I have to wait a few more hundred years till he leaves his body. Now he comes here, so you you see why it's just so helpful to. Figure it out here while you can, while you have the opportunity to really, really work on this process because otherwise (laughs) you're there stuck waiting, oh he just took birth, oh no, 90 more years of me waiting in the astral world (laughs) just for him to come back and we work this karma out with him. I'm sure they have better ways to do it, I, I don't think it's on this level but fun isn't it oh yeah remember those past actions in the astral worlds (laughs) there
1: is no rest for the yogi
0: (laughs) none but advanced beings can perform such redemptive work effectually in the astral worlds then in order to free their souls more fully from the cocoon of karmic traces lodged in their astral bodies these higher beings are drawn by cosmic law to be reborn with new astral bodies on Hiranyaloka the astral sun or heaven so now in the astral world so for us in the physical world any higher plane of the astral world is heaven you know oh wow now I can do this in the astral world Hiranyaloka is their heaven so that after you've worked out all the lower levels on the astral plane and now you're free, you're free from any physical karma so you don't have to return back on earth to work anything out, now you're just working with your astral karma so then you enter that higher university of Hiranyaloka and very very few people I'm imagine when he says the inhabitants of Hiranyaloka. I don't know what a planet looks like over there. It probably is not this sphere of a ball floating in space. I have no idea, but I'm sure there are very few inhabitants over there. It's a lot, a lot of space, a lot of openness. There are also highly advanced beings on Hiranyaloka, who have come from the superior, subtler, causal world all right so it's not just the astral worlds we're dealing with now you've got the causal world the world the vibration purely of just thought and ideas and so now these guys okay you've got earth you've got the astral world you've got the causal world now these guys are those who've worked out their physical karma completely they've mostly worked out their astral karma but like the earth is to the astral world where you have to keep coming back and finish this and then go back and finish that and come back and finish this now you have to do the same thing over here and so there's some guys up here who have traces of astral karma left and so they are reborn in Hiranyaloka they do a little working out they go back to the causal world they do a little working out and that same process continues but again think about it from the perspective of the individual now this might seem like it's a long process oh my goodness I can't believe is all this other stuff I have to work on I'm just dealing with this but master did say you don't have to actually go through any of this you could fully liberate yourself here and now because we have physical things we have to deal with we have our astral which is our emotion feelings and energy and then we have the causal which is the thought if we can free ourselves now even from thought-based karma from emotion feeling energetic karma and then of course from physical karma we could work everything is accessible to us now the causal world and the astral world isn't some other place that only when i leave my body It's all living inside us. It's all an experience here. This is, you know, whether you call it the aura, whether you call it those three bodies that exist inside you, you have access to it at all times and we can be simultaneously working on all of it. The main main thing we need to know is that we need to be working on all of it. So when we're like, oh, yeah, I don't want to deal with this outward stuff. Well, what about your thoughts? Your thoughts are just racing all the time, whether in judgment, whether in I want this, I need that. I mean, so those causal karmas are constantly at play. And then depending on the vibration of that causal karma, it either has to be fulfilled on earth, either it can be fulfilled at the astral plane, or some of it can only be fulfilled at the causal plane. What could be the causal plane karma? When you get so high, remember that story, who was it, Bhagirath, who created a heaven of his own? who had so much huh? who was the guy ma mm-hmm. he created because they weren't letting him into heaven uh, vishwakarma created for Trishanku. okay somebody created something for someone these names Vishwamitra, mitra apparently but one of these guys imagine that to be able to create an entire universe because they weren't letting him into the other universe <laughs> i'll show you so he had so much power of thought that he could just manifest an entire like god create an entire reality an entire new cosmos so that's the kind of power that is seeded in just the thought and ideational stage and we all want to we all have ideas we're all looking to express those ideas but a lot of it doesn't come to fruition does it and therefore the wheel keeps turning now depending on the vibration of that idea Is where that idea needs and can find fulfillment. My mind was now in such perfect. Oh, you wanted to say something? Sorry.
1: Keep going. No? No, I was thinking about that we are constantly shifting and living in different astral planes within our own minds daily. And that's reflected in the kind of thoughts that we channel constantly and we can see easily when we are living more or vibrating more throughout the day sometimes in the astral plane when we are a little bit more rajasic sometimes where we are more matter bound with the kind of thoughts that we have a bit more tamasic. And then when we have these incredible uplifting feelings and thoughts of just doing something for somebody else or a nice kind thought or or when there is zero judgment or where you are really wanting to bring some harmony to a situation that you know, is just not kind of happening. You know, it's a little bit of ripple of misunderstanding and you just, go in with your energy and just adjust vibrationally what's going on and and we all daily channel that kind of planes within us whether we use specific thoughts to be part of those astral planets and and i think it's fascinating for us if i want to live and i want to make iranya loka or the causal world, a uh, more vivid reality in my daily life, I need to check out the kind of thoughts that I'm channeling. And if once I leave the Earth, I want to go to one of those planets, I need to prepare myself and my consciousness to be fit, for those kind of planets, because it has nothing to do with what we do physically and the skills that we develop that draw us to those planets. It's about the refinement of our consciousness. And the more we keep working with that refinement, the more we will be mm, adequate. Adequate. Adequate, for those uh, planets so uh, we can do that here daily and you can live in those planets if you train yourself to um, channel that kind of uplifted consciousness for as long as you can for as many times as you can throughout the day
0: my mind was now in such perfect attunement with my gurus that he was conveying his word pictures to me partly by speech and partly by thought transference i was thus quickly receiving his idea tabloids (laughs) what a fun idea just he was seeing the everything play out before him as Sri Yukteswarji was explaining and describing it. You have read in the scriptures, Master went on, that God encased the human soul successively in three bodies: the idea or causal body, the subtle astral body, <clears throat> seat of man's mental and emotional natures, and the gross physical body. On earth, a man is equipped with his physical senses. An astral being works with his consciousness and feelings and a body made of lifetrons. There's a little asterisk there where Master says, Sri Yukteswar used the word prana. I have translated it as lifetrons. The Hindu scriptures refer not only to the anu, which is atom, but to the parmanu. Which is beyond the atom, which is what the atom bomb is, isn't it, Parmanu? <laughs> which is what he called finer electronic energies, but also to prana, creative life-tronic force. Atoms and electrons are blind forces, prana is inherently intelligent the pranic life forms in the su- spermatozoa and ova for instance guide the embryonic development according to a karmic design so, so when, many words <laughs> so when <laughs> prana is introduced prana is the is that intelligent force There's so many forces in the world and they're all very well-defined, aren't they? This atom can only, you know, attract this atom, this gravity can only do this much, this thermodynamic force can only do. So, there's lots of subtle forces in this universe, little by little, that's what science's job is, is to discover subtler and subtler forces. But the one force that yet eludes science, although they're getting close to it, is the force of prana. It's this intelligent life force. That is what directs other forces to come together in order to create something greater. So, in the astral world, the primary force is of consciousness and feeling, he says, and a body made of life trons. So, the physical body that we have in the astral world is just a body made of pure prana. A causal bodied being remains in the blissful realm of ideas. My work is with those astral beings who are preparing to enter the causal world. I like this line. The causal bodied being remains in the blissful realm of ideas. Aren't ideas blissful? Don't we just sit down and like (laughs) have idea after idea and we just feel so good about, "Ah, I'm doing this, I'm doing that and in the mind It's just a very blissful experience. Then when somebody says, yeah, um, why don't you make this idea happen? Then suddenly all that bliss becomes, oh, make this idea happen. That that I'm not sure of. Because we love to just escape into the blissful realm of ideas. We're building our castles and we're building whatever we want. And in those ideas, we're perfect. In that causal world i am strong and everybody can recognize how wonderful i am and whatever i want i'm doing and it's a very blissful state imagine that experience that's the causal world but without the ignorance it's truly that state of bliss because these beings actually can fulfill whatever idea they put any idea they manifest becomes reality god works through all these beings To maintain and sustain this universe. It's not like God's up there and he's just like now I want this and now I want this building to come up in New York and I want this building to demolish here and these are what the astral and the causal beings are working on. They're the ones really creating and shaping what you and I would call reality. So and they are referred to in the scriptures and all throughout as those devas and then the higher beings and then you've got Brahma, Vishnu and Mahesh. They're actually causal beings. They're just short of pure consciousness. They're in form, the very slight form, the form only of pure idea. The idea of creation, the idea of preservation, and the idea of dissolution. And that process, of course, is forever at play. These three forces, also known as pranav, om, is really what is creating and sustaining this universe. That's the vibration we have to achieve. Adorable Master, please tell me more about the astral cosmos. Though I had slightly relaxed my embrace at Sri Yukteshwar's request, my arms were still around him. <laughs> it's, a, it's quite a sight, huh? Yeah, yeah, he's like yeah, this, and I, Sri Ukteshva is just telling him, now there's yeah, the astral world and there's the causal world. And, yeah. and he's not let go at all. Treasure beyond all treasures, my guru, who had laughed at death to reach me. There are many astral planets. Teeming with astral beings, Master began. The inhabitants use astral planes, planes, or masses of light to travel from one planet to another faster than electricity and radioactive energies the astral universe made of various subtle vibrations of light and color is hundreds of times larger than the material cosmos the entire physical creation hangs like a little solid basket under the huge luminous balloon of the astral sphere so this is the visual that he's creating of these hot air balloons have you seen them the hot air balloon is large and at the bottom is this little basket and so he's saying the physical world that you and I think is the best and the only thing that exists is this tiny little basket and the astral world is actually what's sustaining it and holding it and keeping it afloat and that's this luminous large balloon of light, of colour and of subtle vibrations Just as many physical suns and stars roam in space, so there are also countless astral solar and stellar systems. Their planets have astral suns and moons, more beautiful than the physical ones. The astral lumin- luminaries resemble the aurora borealis, the sunny astral aurora being more dazzling than the mild red moon aurora. So the aurora borealis that we have in the physical planet which everyone has heard of i think they call the northern lights as well and you've seen these these beautiful green blue you know yellow lights that come in the night sky which is how the moonlight reflects on some particles and creates a certain uh, illusion of light floating in space so those are moon-based aurora borealises and Sri Yuktes were saying in the astral worlds they're sun-based so their light is even more dazzling than what we would consider the most beautiful light in the world here the astral world is infinitely beautiful clean pure and orderly there are no dead planets or barren lands the terrestrial blemishes like weeds bacteria insects and snakes are absent Unlike the variable climates and seasons of the Earth, the astral planets maintain the even temperature of an eternal spring with occasional luminous white snow and rain of many colored lights. Astral planets abound in opal lakes and bright seas and rainbow rivers. Rainbow rivers, multicolored rivers flowing through. So you can always just take a moment to... Build this little, <laughs> it's always like spring. The temperature is just always amazing. There's rain of little <laughs> multicolored lights falling when you want. There's rainbow streams, opal lakes. There's no insects, no mosquitoes, <laughs> no bacteria, no weeds. And so you can see why we would have astral karma. We all want to live in such a place, don't we? <laughs> We all, when we go around and we say, okay, I wish, I wish we lived in a place where there were no mosquitoes. Well, guess what? There is a place. And then you get to go there, and you get to actually experience that. So, great. You will always, every desire, as Master said, has to be fulfilled. And that's where we're going to get to experience that. on one hand it's like better not to keep creating those (laughs) desires oh I wish there was a place where the you know it was so beautiful and oh it's so hot here in Mumbai I wish there was a place where it was so comfortable and it was just the temperature I wanted to be All right, fine I have to create an entire world just for you to fulfill this desire imagine that I can I can visualize astral beings tuning into all the desires human beings have and then having to create those astral worlds just so that there's a place for us to fulfill them because every desire has to be fulfilled and then the causal worlds are probably you know beings are directing the astral guys and saying, no no that didn't come out quite right this was the idea he had and changing the astral world accordingly I and mean, it will be such a it's such a trip that we're creating we're creating these entire planets and planes of existence just by every thought and every word and every vibration every energy every action every deed we're putting out we're actually probably creating more astral worlds
1: i was just since we are about to perhaps we can end it here we should i was thinking that wow what All these great masters, especially this line of gurus and of course, Yogananda, but through Swami Kriyananda, I I just feel so privileged to be part of this really movement because what Swami Kriyananda was trying to create through all our communities and the ashrams that we have and even businesses, you know, Every manifestation was to create vortexes of light, very uplifting, very beautiful, so whoever would be part of it would have a touch of that memory that I belong to a better plane of existence. So whether you were aware or not, if you position yourself in that environment, there will be the great potential for your soul to remember that you actually belong somewhere else, much more beautiful place than you are living right now. And I think this is the real role of Ananda and all of us as devotees wherever we go, just to manifest that kind of place or consciousness or vibration that we can help other souls to remember that they come from better places and they can be ready through being part of these communities, ashram, visiting these places over and over again, so they can make a resolution in this lifetime. This is how I want to live. This is how I want to adjust my life and get ready for my next incarnation to be in a better place, in a better, more uplifting, vibration and and that's how i would like for this cafe Mm that's
0: what i was thinking
1: to be as well it's not just a cafe let's make of this cafe a place that will have the power to remind people to to awaken a memory in their souls that they are indeed are coming from higher spheres and this cafe will awaken that spark and they would like to come again and again and again not just for the coffee <laughs> not just for but for the uplifting vibration that will remind them to the astral planes. And maybe they would like to go back home and, and do the same at home, in their bedrooms and and, and use the music that that cafe will be playing 24 hours. And I mean, there is a power behind what we are trying to accomplish here. And it has nothing to do just with physical beauty, with harmony, physical harmony. It has to do with the, the upliftment of every soul. So, if you are interested to help us, please be in touch with us and and let's find ways how we can support each other to create uh, astral places on earth. Because we can, I think we have the potential to do that. And if we open ourselves, if we are willing, as Sri Yukteswar is willing to cooperate with God serving there, uh, see if you want also to cooperate and be part of this movement and find ways to serve specifically to create these kind of places on earth that can really uh, transform our lives and our consciousness. I'm very inspired.
0: Yeah, that's very well put in the context of this chapter.